Welcome back to Elephant Parade, guys. This is our first ever episode on our second season. We actually have a guest today, super exciting. Um, Shannon, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've been like listening to all your episodes and being a total geek, so I'm very excited. Oh my, um, my name is Shannon Collins. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a non-binary, pansexual, autistic, disabled human with like two kids and a partner. I live in the Philadelphia area and I'm a photographer. Nice, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Um, we've been nice looking you. through your work and we're just so excited to see where this conversation takes us. Um, Thank you. I'm honored. Um, first off, would, would you like to tell our listeners about your work? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of do a lot of things. So I'm a wedding photographer, which is just something I've done for like 12 years. Um, and I try to pretty much exclusively work with like marginalized communities within Philadelphia. Um, and inclusivity within that is really important to me. And then I also founded a project in the area called Youthphoria last year. And we're kind of dedicated to photographing and affirming gender expansive, non-binary and trans youth in the city and providing just like a really fun experience for people who are in their teens to mid twenties at no cost. And then apart from that, I also like co-host and co-founded a monthly virtual meetup for LGBTQIA plus kids who are in grades K through five. And that's just something that brings me a lot of joy as a parent who's non-binary, who has a gender fluid child. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm forgetting things. Oh, and I'm also like a counselor at the Trevor Project, which kind of merges all my interest in one. So yeah. Look, that is so cool. When did you get like started with this work and like what, what inspired you to start this work? Yeah, I think I've always been really interested in queer culture and I just kind of figured I was just a fan of queer culture. And then like the more I sat with myself over the pandemic, I had the privilege to be like, oh, I am queer and just kind of like have this epiphany in my mid thirties and realize a lot of stuff about myself. Um, and it's always been something that I've woven through the work that I do. Like the first session I've ever done was with a queer couple so it's just been important to me to find community in that way and to find ways to like make it easier experiences for clients specifically because I feel like there are a lot of points where you hit roadblocks as someone who's queer and planning a wedding um yeah I don't know if that answered your question <laughs> no, it, it does um I know like um you do a lot of work surrounding discrimination within the sort of marriage and marriage planning um wedding planning area um are there other areas or institutions that you have worked with worked in that you saw discrimination firsthand um and you sort of actively decided to take it upon yourself to be the person to make change as you do with wedding planning yeah thank you i feel like i worked in the nonprofit industry a lot and that kind of showed me like the ugliness behind that industrial complex um so that's kind of what's led me into the path of exploring mutual aid work more and kind of just doing that framework which is like vastly different than nonprofits, which is something that i get approached with a lot about like being the founder of euphoria people are like why is this not a 501c3 like we will donate more and i'm just like kind of questioning why would you donate more like what makes that more legitimate and why do we have these like rules in place and stuff so that's something i try to shake up and yeah just the wedding industry in general is something that's just like consistently something i can't let go of for some reason even though i see how problematic it is and i'm also like why do people still get married <laughs> just like constantly confused by marriage but yeah <laughs> no because i think about that all the time too but it's, all, it's honestly about like support um which that's why it's so important um that you do what you do um but yeah back to what you said about mutual aid i feel like a lot of kids especially like 
we're brought up thinking that like nonprofits are the way to go. We should support nonprofits, and like to a certain extent, we should. But mutual aid is definitely the way to go because you still get to like help your community. You still get to help others in need, but without that like extra interference in the process that like isn't what makes a nonprofit like actually profit like profitable. Yeah, and I feel like as someone who like worked in the nonprofit area for so long and started so young, um, you sort of and in the nonprofit space, like personally, you sort of get into this cycle of um, what's going to get me funding, or what can I do yeah. to please my grant my grantors, or what guidelines do I have to follow? What can I do? What can't I do? And then there's like bipartisanship, and then it's like what what is viewed as a partisan uh, thing, and it's like. It, there's so many restrictions on the work you can do and i feel like in in mutual aid it's just like a different experience um but just now you you were sort of like getting at how your own like interview of marriage sort of differs even with like your work a little bit do you ever find that in like other areas of your work you find yourself doing work that sort of contradicts your belief but because like you wish to help people it's sort of like gets in the way like do you get do you get what i'm saying yeah i feel like a lot of the times when i'm trying to educate people about just like trans issues i tend to cater to cis people and then i like get in my head and i'm like why am i doing this this shouldn't be for them this should be for us um so i find myself doing that a lot and trying to ask who my audience is and why um and i think part of the reason i like youth for is because like it is just about the trans joy and i feel like so much of media representation right now is about like making things be traumatic to be like valid and like showing people's like before photos of before they transitioned and stuff like I was just watching Survivor and they like showed the one participants like before photo and I was just like oh this feels so dirty and wrong but it feels like the audience needs that in order for it to be valid to have this trans person exist so like I, I want to disrupt that and like yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm going on tangents no, yeah, yeah just people make me mad sometimes that's <laughs> my summary no I remember that one um one Survivor episode where like the uh, trans contestant got outed in like the middle of it and i was like why would you choose to air this i know it was like a dramatic moment but like it shouldn't be on public tv for everyone to see and like it got a lot of like feedback from it where it was like positive because a lot of people were like oh that's like interesting more drama but a lot of things happen like that where like someone's trauma Mm -hmm. is exposed but just because like it's bringing awareness to a community people are like okay with it which shouldn't be the case. We should be, like, celebrating joy, which which I definitely get, like, what you said. Yeah. I yeah, know. I feel... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> go ahead, please. I was just gonna say, I'm also guilty of doing the latter because, like, this past week, someone on Instagram called me a pedophile for thinking trans children should, like, exist as human beings. And so I screenshot it and put it on my Instagram stories and, like, kind of created a, like, swear jar moment where I was like, can you donate a dollar tooth for you if you have the capacity? Because this shit happens all the time and I'm exhausted. And people just, like, donated more than they have all year after seeing that. So I was like, oh, man, I see that this is, like, valuable. But also, I shouldn't have to do this, so I just kind of wrote about it. Like, I shouldn't have to, like, point out how people are calling me a child abuser in order to get donations. And, like, can we just be, like, participate in mutual aid without needing to see that kind of darkness? Yeah, no, I saw that. I remember, like, going through some of the comments, because, like, a lot of it were, like, actually, I don't know, they were good. But they were, like, there's always that one comment where, like, this is disgusting, or this is, like, and it's terrible to see, because, like, everyone else is so supportive, 
and then there's always that one person who just like tries to drag you down but i was just wondering like you already uh talk about one way you um battled um some people that were like against you are there any other ways that you've like talked back to them with people who are also like trying to like, get back at you for saying that like you're like child abusing or something yeah Ugh, i try to like meet people with kindness if i have the capacity and the spoons and also there's some days where i'm just like deleting and blocking stuff for my mental health um but yeah for the most part i try to meet people with curiosity and sometimes like very rarely people actually engage in a way that like we've both taken some things away from it and it isn't horrible i don't recommend doing that on facebook that's <laughs> just like a dumpster fire of a place um but on tiktok in general like some people have commented and been snarky and i try to like engage in a way that's not just like aggressive and uh but yeah it does feel it feels like a hard line to balance because people will be like don't engage with the haters and i'm like yeah but like why are you putting that accountability on me versus the haters not being so shitty and holding them accountable mm-hmm. i just said haters a lot that's very embarrassing i'm old <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> we all use haters. We so. all use haters. Um thank you for humoring me. <laughs> yeah, sorry to bring the conversation back a little bit, but when you're talking about represent- representation, I know personally, I feel like with every minority there's like this sort of like clutch like you were saying on like trauma stories and like oh no, we have to bring awareness to something and that's necessary and I know like like as a black person like within the black community we've looked at so many of black media and be like oh like when are when's trauma and when are the trauma stories going to end but at the same time there's always that voice saying all representation is good representation and we look at so many Mm. of these like black creatives like look at all the opportunities they've given to black actors and so so you should be grateful instead of actually yeah it's like it's it's like but why why when we speak about this representation and the lack of positive representation and like just showing that we can exist as happy people on this earth um Uh and sort of get this pushback of like are you saying that the representation you have is like bad and like um you don't want that representation like what when will enough be enough sort of um like oh you always have something to complain about so like Uh how as a trans person and as someone who's working in the trans community and for the lgbtq community um, do you ever see that sort of sentiment from people who are within your own community? Like, oh, like, all representation is good <laughs> representation. Like, I know there, I've seen a lot of conversations about things like RuPaul Drag Race and, like, how that show is sort of catered to straight <laughs> people. Eye? Literally yeah, queer, queer eye. eye. That's the epitome of queer eye. I don't know a single queer person who watches queer eye and is like, oh, good show. It's always straight people who are like, oh, my God, this is what a queer person is like to engage with yes it feels very much like that slogan like nothing about us without us like who are the writers on this staff and what do they look like and what's their story like i don't know i've just discovered i'm autistic and it's frustrating because i want to digest like media content and there's nothing written by neurodivergent people except for like one thing and that doesn't make sense to me and it's just like it's at the end of the day it's still like a white gay man who i can't really relate to like so many stories need to be told and it feels like people meet us with that like oh you're just being greedy for wanting more when you should be happy we have pose it's like but yes pose is amazing and let's have like more of that and like hire more people and uh, in the wedding industry it feels like they like a lot of vendors put these like allyship badges on their website and expect it to be enough to be like i like 
approve of same-sex marriage and I'm like but do you understand that like there's queer marriage beyond just like same sex in quotes and like <laughs> it just it just doesn't make sense to me I don't feel like people are actually like investigating these things beyond just like p- posting like an emoji on their mm-hmm. bio sometimes I don't know myself included like I have a lot of shit to do <laughs> work-wise <laughs> yeah like I feel like there's sort of been like an insurgence of performative activism in recent years um during like you've obviously been doing this for a long time but like within the past couple of recent years have you seen like a growth in audience or at least a a a change in maybe your audience and or allies um and how people interact with you and if it's negative maybe there's something you can tell our listeners about how they can get involved in activism if they've Mm. had that interest recently yes i think i've been more like aligned with my values and I've been more explicit about that with the help of a a community that I'm in and like before on my website I would try to like have nods to the queer community but now I have like a values page and it used to have like certain value descriptors like intersectionality and I was like what does that even mean like what does that mean to my business and what does that look like so now I try to like actually show how I'm doing those things versus just like using big words that mean beautiful things like but it needs to I mean more than the word um so yeah i feel like being really aligned with your values will make you have clients who are just on the same page as you and mesh better and there's less scary meetings where i'm like slowly discovering that it's not a good fit uh and i don't know i haven't had a lot of like mean comments i have been you know like the people who do call me a pedophile tend to come out of nowhere and it doesn't really hurt me as much as if it was like my family member um which happened yeah uh <laughs> fun times um i don't know i went on another tangent i feel like i'm being very neurodivergent today and i appreciate you <laughs> no it's all good <laughs> yeah no this is your space you yeah it's exactly we come you. to yeah exactly we learn from you exactly i was this is kind of off topic but when you were talking about like um implementing your values into the work that you do i know that you also work with kids on um trans kids if i'm right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um and I was wondering like I know it's more of like a space to just talk and just like talk about their experiences but it's also for people who don't are like questioning right yeah so is this so for youth for you I work with trans kids and then I also work with trans kids um at the library meetup thing which is virtual um and for those it's like the younger crowd like elementary age kids and it's just been really cool because they have space to interact and have rapport with each other and it doesn't necessarily need to be them talking about lgbtqia things but um just having them like be like this is my cat and like just normalizing seeing other adults and kids with pronouns like neo pronouns or people just not even using pronouns at all and having some kids be like i'm trying this name out today let me see how it feels and having kind of a safer space to do that it's just been really fun and i know that like with my work with the trevor project it's really important to have like one affirming adult at least in your life like it can mean such huge things and be really impactful so i think that's what led me to that just like okay if at the end of the day they have like the two co-hosts of this library meetup to be affirmed by like that has to mean something hopefully okay. yeah no i was just gonna ask like how do you create that safe space for them because i know like personally in like our school we try our best but i feel like there isn't being enough done so what what's some like good advice to like create a safe space for people in general 
Yeah. I know I ranted on Instagram recently about this because I was like, I don't believe in safe spaces. <laughs> like I try to use language like safer or more inclusive because I know I can't promise that because I know I've been promised safety and gone into spaces and been like, oh, this is just safe for white women. <laughs> That's what they meant there. Um, and I'm sure that you have experiences as well where it's like, this is not for me. Um, so for me, I try to like have it be a space where if it's a client, like they're leading the way. And for that, like I reach out with a really detailed questionnaire and I try to just ask things like, what were make you feel good if I were to use them I don't want to like call someone beautiful if they're like that doesn't feel good I want to be like handsome um, and then just things that would make it more accessible for them in any way like for me eye, con <laughs> eye contact is really hard so like if a client is just like don't don't do eye contact or make me stare at the camera that's super helpful to know there's just like a lot of little things you can do to be more inclusive whether it's through language and not saying like bridal party um, and just acknowledging people as human beings who have pronouns and checking in about those things and and or don't have pronouns that's valid too um <laughs> i feel like i went on a rant um and then for like the kids i we really try to make it a space where they are leading it and so that means like sending a survey that they can do with their grown-up and asking like what do you want to talk about because we don't want to assume what's important or fun for you by being like let's listen to jojo siwa and they'll be like we don't like this <laughs> um yeah <laughs> it's just kind of asking what topics they want to explore and basing things around their needs versus just assuming things has been helpful. Letting them lead the way, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, speaking of letting people lead the way, um, I was on your page, um, your Instagram and TikTok, and I saw that you recently did a think piece about pronouns, um, about like how you don't think it should be a requirement and um, you don't think like people should like open up a space and be like, okay, let's go around and say your pronouns. And like, mm. I, I, I feel like that really resonated with me. And I feel like um, reflects like that idea of letting people lead the way, letting people say whether or not they want to share their pronouns. But um, there has been some pushback about saying like, okay, if we do that, there might be people who like, maybe they share their pronouns and then because others choose not to, they feel isolated. So how do you sort of circumvent that? Oof, that's so tough. I know, I feel like I have changed my opinion drastically on this over the course of a year, and I try to just, like, listen to others and not let it be, like, a black and white thing. So I know there's a lot of, like, nuance there. Um, for me, I just try to, like, say my pronouns you know, if I feel safe enough to do so, which is almost always for me because I'm, like, white and, like, I'm fine and privileged and all the things. Um but I don't feel like it's right to expect others to do that when there's like safety issues and when there's like, they might just be exploring themselves. Um, and I feel like there's this hard and fast rule, at least in the wedding industry, it feels like a lot of vendors are like, what are you doing? You have to have your pronouns in your bio. And I'm just like, I don't know. That's a lot to put on a person. And a lot of that comes from within privileged trans white people within the community who are just like, do this. And it's like, it's easy for you to say when you don't have like your home risked and all these other things. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's really, really tough because I see the value in it. And I don't think it's fair to have just one person sharing and then have a whole other group just staring at them. That's so much pressure. But finding ways to like normalize it. I feel like pronouns, seeing pronouns normalized in an article, for instance, is just like beautiful and something I don't see often. Like when I go on the New York Times and they're writing a piece about a non-binary person, they'll be like, Shannon Collins is an artist and uses they them pronouns. And I'm like, you could just say Shannon Collins is an artist and they live in Philadelphia and people would understand <laughs> the context there. But this need to like really drill it into people's heads and make it a huge thing feels like a lot sometimes. Yeah, Trying yeah. too hard sometimes. 
Yeah, no, I get that. Because I remember, um, I think it was, like, earlier on in the year, um, it was great, but teachers were trying to, like, get us to, like, introduce ourselves and our pronouns. And while it did help for some people, there were obviously some people who made, like, rude remarks. And it also, like, brings up the point that, like, there are people who can be very rude in those situations. And it yeah. might not be a safe space for other people who, like, may use, like a, like, a specific set of pronouns that, like, someone else doesn't, like, see as fit them or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it is a valid point. I, like, definitely, like, resonate with that now. Like, I didn't even think of that before. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and I feel like they were saying they were, like, there's almost, like, a sense of obligation that you have as, like, a trans person or as a, like, whatever the space may be um, to sort of fight back as someone who is a part of whatever minority is being, uh, is, like, being touched on at the moment. And I feel like it puts, it places such a burden on you as you were saying, that, like, why am I obligated to educate and to be present and to sort of represent my entire community when I'm just, like, a person person. who's a part of the community and who is individualized? So, like, how do you give yourself a break from that? Like, how do you... Do you have, like... Do you, like, compartmentalize, like, your activism self versus your advocacy self... And then, like, just yourself as an individual, like, how do you navigate between those mindsets? Oof, I don't do that at all, and that's why I need therapy. (laughs) I have, like, no boundaries whatsoever, and I'll be, like, yeah, just kind of blurring the lines there between, like, personal and professional, because they are so, like, my business is so personal to me. Um, And just, like, to touch back on something else about pronouns, I just wanted to add that um, there's this writer, Devin Price, who's, like, a trans writer, uh, and I think he said something recently where he was just, like, I don't have my pronouns in my bio because it makes it easier for trans antagonistic people to um, misgender me. And I was just like, oh, that's fucking cool and powerful. Sorry, I'm not, I think I can swear because no, people are cool <laughs> <Yeah>. and swear. <laughs> okay. um, I just thought that was like a cool way to be like, oh, yeah, that's another way to like not do this action for other people because it makes it harder for them to misgender you. Um, but yeah, as far as, as far as activism goes, I feel like I have a really hard time of not just like... But I just kind of want to do all the things at once. And um, when you're like at home with like a trans kiddo, it just is part of my life. So I'm never not thinking of like all these other aspects of like my work where it's like I'm meeting with trans youth and stuff. It's it's hard to like read a book to my kid at night and not like, oh, how could I put that in our program and use that in some way? <laughs> it's hard to unplug. That's why I like really bad TV like Love is Blind. It makes me feel better and mm-hmm. relax a bit <laughs> and judge people. <laughs> No, I do that too. Honestly, I feel like sometimes it is kind of beneficial because you get to connect all the things you've like learned in your life and like apply it to other things. Especially mm-hmm. if you're like learning in a field that's like so important to you. I feel like you should be applying mm-hmm. it. Obviously, like it's nice to have like a good work life balance, but like if you're learning something about how to treat other people, you should also be like applying it. If, especially if you have a kid and you want to like teach them also about like those mm-hmm. values. It's like super important to like intersect those make sure that you're just not like advocating and just like going into the activism field just for the sake of doing it but actually applying it to your life and i feel like maybe it's like it's probably just like a natural territory that comes with working in a space where it's like your identity is so at peace with what you're doing so it just makes Mm -hmm. it easier for that boundary to sort of disappear versus 
if you're doing something that isn't at peace with who you are and your values and your identity, then you probably enter into that sort of life where it's like you're code switching, you have to um, Mm. like sort of watch what you say and you're constantly like um like hiding what you who you are and like what what you think just because mm-hmm. what you're doing doesn't consolidate with what with who you are or maybe you're in a space where you feel like you have to mask who you are if you're neuro, neurodivergent or if you're trans you have to sort of like stay in the closet and when you are living a life like that it probably becomes easier to be like okay I'm in the danger zone and now I'm in a comfort comfortable place. But when everywhere you are mm. is comfortable, I feel like it's yeah, it's definitely easier to just live in your live in the moment and live in who you are, which is a good thing, but it it could also be a bad thing cuz yeah. it, it's probably tiring as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, I find it really hard to mask and like I feel like with my work, I'm so openly myself and it feels safe enough to be me. And then so like if I go to the dentist and I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, female checkbox, I guess that's the only option. That kind of stuff like drains you for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my God. Wait, I haven't thought about that. Like medical <laughs> offices, they just they don't do that, do they? That's terrible. Oh, my gosh. I went to the DMV to get my like ID updated to have like the X marker for non-binary and they gave it to me and they're like, here you go, ma'am. And I was just like, you're really not understanding the point of this <laughs> being a validating experience. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's- yeah, I feel like there's sort of like an effect that's going on right now that like we're sort of living in where like people are starting to educate themselves, but they don't but understand their it. actions aren't like catching up with <laughs> where they want to be. Yeah, like exactly. maybe the intention might be there, but, yeah. but the practice isn't where. Oh, well, yeah, it's it not like be. ingrained in them. I feel like we don't practice as much as we preach and that's like the problem because we don't truly understand it. We don't like listen to other people. We choose to like go on a website and like search it up which is okay because we shouldn't be like again asking people for education when we have google but at the same time if someone's telling your story yeah (laughs) yeah it's like someone's telling your story you should listen to them so you can truly understand what like where they're coming from their experiences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm so glad that you work with such young children because at least with them they're starting young and they'll get to grow up in a world where things that what is around them yeah. reflects what is inside of them yeah. as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's wild to see how much kids like know themselves now and just like seeing the way consent impacts kids. And I don't know, I'm just like pretty envious of the like childhood my kid has. I know that they'll grow up to despise me in some way, but I'm also just like, oh, that seems so freeing that you can just like do these things that I would have never imagined to feel safe enough to do. So, yeah. Honestly, your kids are not going to despise me for that. (laughs) I'm sure I've traumatized them in some way that I haven't figured out yet. (laughs) We're all all good. We're all good. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. We do have to like leave in a bit because we have school again. That makes sense. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is so fun. But is there anything you want to like impart us with uh, the viewers, the listeners? Um, just like one last thing, maybe any work you're doing you want to promote ways to get involved? Yeah, I know it's like cheesy, but I just wanted to say that like self-discovery doesn't stop at any point. And like, I never thought I would be having these extra identities that I wouldn't have even imagined having like in my mid thirties. So just like keep being curious and, you know, growing as a human being and imperfection is awesome. And yeah, I appreciate you. And this podcast is really cool. And I can't believe that you're doing such like bright things. And I don't know, I, I was like definitely just watching 
Rosie O'Donnell show when I was <laughs> like, that's very embarrassing. I'm going to go hide. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't promote myself at all. Uh, I guess if you wanted to like check out my Instagram, it's Shannon Collins photo. <laughs> Whoops. Yes, thank you so much. And also for our lovely listeners out there, remember to follow Elephant Parade underscore um, on Instagram and follow us on all of our podcast listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. And we'll be posting more episodes soon. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs>